Today, you are going to get a front row seat to the incredible review of how the 2023 Rugby World Cup pool stage progressed. I'm going to be joined by fellow rugby YouTuber Luke Bowden from The Sports Booth. It's one of the great YouTube channels. Luke, welcome to Front Row Rugby. Cheers, Peter. Yeah, yeah. Glad to be here. Excited to, to chat away about the pool stages that we just witnessed um, and, and get into, I guess, the, the depths of, of what we've seen. Absolutely. Luke, let's start right at the beginning, the opening match of the tournament, France versus New Zealand. Good win for the host nation. I thought it was a good match as well. The, the host nation laying down a bit of a marker. How impressive would you say they were? Yeah, I was... I was impressed. Like I, I went into that game, especially as an All Blacks fan, I would say a little bit nervous. But again, we hadn't lost a pool game before that. So to be the first to do that really, I guess, set the stage for the World Cup and set the stage for, for France's tournament um, going forward. So look, again, they, they, they kind of went into this tournament as one of the favourites and I think definitely put their hands up to be one of the favourites after that performance. Your boys, New Zealand, recovered quite nicely after that. A uh, couple of big wins, that annihilation over Italy as well. A lot of people saying maybe they're hitting their strides coming out of the pool stage. Quarterfinals next, but what's your overall assessment of the All Blacks? Uh, yeah, look, I since since that first French game, I have been a lot happier, I think, with, with, with the way we've looked. I think we missed a couple of key players in that, that game against France, which was Shannon Frizzell and Brody Retallick. Um, but since they've kind of come back on board, and especially that that win against Italy, I don't think any like All Blacks fan was expecting that. Like as much as we love to be confident in our team, I think that one surprised us all. Like I went in there, I, like not nervous that we'd lose to Italy, but just hey, if we lose this game, the All Blacks are out of the Rugby World Cup, and for that performance, just yeah, set us on the right, I guess, path now. And I truly believe we can. Going forward, beat any of the other teams. Um, after that first French game, I was yeah, I was nervous that we might not be able to do that. I can understand, and we'll talk about how I can relate to some of that a little bit later when we uh, move on to some of the other pools. Just something, Luke. Uh, in my opinion, and of course I could be very wrong, but this doesn't look like the best All Blacks pack that we've seen. And as you mentioned, there Shannon Frizzell and Brody Retallick, they weren't there in the opening game, and obviously they do make a big difference. But in terms of the professional era, we've been so used to seeing New Zealand being so strong that it almost seems as if in the professional era this might be the weakest pack we've seen. What do you say? Yeah, look, I think we had a uh, decade, of, decade of dominance, is the way I like to put it, between 2008 and 2018, where, you know, the likes of Richie McCaw, um, Kieran Reeds, who just led our team so well. And I would say it's uh, definitely, it's hard to say it's the weakest pack because I think there's been times, I just don't, I don't think, it's nowhere near our strongest, as that's where I'll go. Um, I still think this pack can do the job, but I don't think it's close to what we've had in the past. And we've had a luxury in the past. I, like I said, it's good for rugby to be able to sit here and go, look, the All Blacks aren't 100% guaranteed to run a rugby World Cup as they get started. So, uh, yeah, look, it, it, is, it isn't, definitely isn't our strongest pack, but it's one that I think has been improving. I think... The getting Jason Ryan on at the end of last year, the Fords coach was it was a huge, huge signing for the All Blacks. Um, and just some of the changes have made since then. I've been impressed since there were times for calling for Ian Foster's heads and our loss to Argentina and so on. Um, I've been been more impressed with this pack. But yeah, definitely not one of our strongest. 
Indeed. Okay, let's move on to Pool B then, uh, the so-called Pool of Death. But in the end, South Africa and Ireland actually dealt with Scotland quite comfortably to finish uh, first and second, or I suppose second and first is a more accurate way to, to describe it. The Springboks versus Ireland, I might be a little bit biased here. And even though the South Africans lost the match, I thought it was the match of the pool stage. What would you say? Yeah, the intensity is nothing I've probably witnessed in a pool game of rugby before. I I say that, and it reminded me heavily of 2019 Rugby World Cup when South Africa and New Zealand played, and that game was just like, you can just tell when two of the best teams are going at it, you're going to get a performance like that. And I was just really impressed by both teams. I actually think at the end there, South Africa were unlucky to lose. Like, they, the positions they put themselves in, um, I was impressed with the Springboks. And again, I... As, as we all saw in 2019, you don't have to win the pools to win a Rugby World Cup. And I think South Africa are going and really looking really, really good for these uh, quarterfinal stages. South Africa, clearly a good side. Something that I worry about is the execution once the team is actually inside the 22. Uh, Rassi Rasmus has spoken about opportunities, so not just goal kicking, but try scoring opportunities. And sure, the Irish have got a great defence, but even against Scotland and Tonga, and I grant you that against the Tongans, the Springboks played a bit of a, uh, a mixed team. It wasn't a first side, it wasn't a second side. But again, the failure to execute, that is something that concerns me. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, and it was, I guess it's hard. I, I, I would agree all the way up until that point where you put 35 points on us and then it was like the, the gates opened on, on that day. So look, up until that point, we had managed to negate, which I think is one of Everyone knows South Africa's strongest weapons, which is the rolling mall. And we had managed to stop that so well. And even again, you look at Ireland, last play there, it's a rolling mall. Previous times, that would have been a guaranteed five points for South Africa. But teams uh, are becoming aware to what South Africa are doing. So, yeah, it doesn't worry me because I know from that 35-point game, when South Africa get it right, they'll get it right. It, it, it does. you got to take those opportunities in the big games. Um, but I think having Andre Pollard back is just is, is such a mammoth thing for the South Africans. So, yeah, uh, it worries me, but I don't. I think there's still opportunities for them to, to definitely score some points. Ireland topped that pool. And obviously, from an All Blacks point of view, you'd be keeping a close eye on those guys. Uh, when you look at them, I mean, they've been very impressive in this tournament so far possibly the team of the pool stage what are the weaknesses in that side do you think yeah it's that's really tough so after the series obviously last year where we lost them i would have said that probably in and around that 12 area was a weakness because bundiaki wasn't on fine form but in this rugby world cup he's turned out to be the player of the tournament so far so i sit there and i go it's hard to find a weakness in them um Especially, I, I tend to think if we're going to beat a team like Ireland, you've got to attack the outside backs and you've got to attack them by going to the high ball and beating them at the high ball. James Lowe, Mac Hansen are very good under the high ball, but that's where you're going to beat this team, I think. If you can put up box kicks or bombs, compete, win the ball back, and then put them under pressure that way, to me, that's that's where you've got to attack them. Because I don't think Hugo Keenan's too good at the back. I think it's got to be down those wings. Um, defensively, I think they those two aren't bad, and it's not like I'm like, oh, man, that's a, a massive weakness. I just think if you're going to attack a team like that, that's that's the way to go. Because everywhere else they have a world-class player in that position. 
And I think that's actually something that the All Blacks are very good at uh, with those high balls attacking those wings, those, those wide channels. So uh, something to look forward to in the quarterfinal. But before we get to that, let's move on to Pool C. Let's just go in alphabetical order, Luke. Uh, Australia, I mean, we know that they've been struggling for the longest time, but I don't think anybody could have foreseen the disaster of crashing out in the pool stage. No, not even your greatest Wallaby fan would have said that that was coming. Um, look, everyone knew Fiji was a threat. threat. Fiji had made that clear when they beat England before the World Cup. Um, but uh, as even myself, didn't know that Wales were going to turn up to a Rugby World Cup as they always do and just find some form. Um, and they've done that. And the combination of those two things have seen Australia ending up tumbling out of this World Cup, which is it's it's terrible for Australian rugby. Obviously, you don't ever want that. But it is could be a, a blessing in disguise. This team, I don't think we're close to winning a Rugby World Cup. And so what this has done is now heightened everyone's alertless level type thing to go, is there a chance for us to improve on what we're doing? Yes. Okay, how do we get to that next level? How do we get to a point where we don't ever get knocked out in the pool stages again? So as bad as it it, it, it is, there are some silver linings here for them. I know on the sports booth, you guys have done some really cool videos on the state of Australian rugby and how it can develop and how it can improve. For my viewers who are not familiar with your channel, obviously it's a long-term solution here, but in the short term, what do you think that the Aussies can do? Uh, Well, they've done some fantastic things already and they've followed the Ireland, New Zealand, um, I guess, president that they've put in, which is the centralised contracts and coming under. At the moment, Australian rugby is very much, you play for your super side and then at the end of the year, you come into the Wallabies and it's very disjointed. It's not a smooth process. So the Wallaby coaches don't constantly have their hands on the players. So getting that already up and running and getting it sorted is going to make a world of difference when they have those centralised contracts, as we've seen with Ireland, who have done a very similar thing, and it just makes life a lot easier. Um, And then I guess my... If they wanted to improve and they wanted to have a better World Cup, select the right players is, is a massive thing for me. Like, I... Quade Cooper being left at home just just leaves me thinking crazy thoughts. Same with Michael Hooper. I understand there was injury clouds around Hooper, but he's just too good of a player to be left at home um, and too much of a meaningful player to be left at home. So, look, it's hard. Eddie Jones has got a resume longer than I will ever have. So to sit here and say he deserves to be let go is probably not the right thing, but there are definitely some questions that need to be asked of him. Guys, if you're enjoying this video, my guest today is Luke Bowden. He's one part of the team at the Sports Booth. I'm going to put a link to their YouTube channel in the description area. I'll put it on the screen for you as well. And I highly recommend you go and check it out. They do some great previews, reviews. They do uh, great uh, inserts where they look and dissect the state of rugby in various countries. And also some really, really great topics. And it's really, really good stuff. I highly recommend that you go and watch it. As I say, I'll put a link on the screen and in the description box for you guys to go and check out. Luke, let's continue the conversation. We've spoken about Australia. Let's talk about Fiji now. The story of the tournament, perhaps? Yeah, well, to start off, yes. Um, So obviously, first two games, even against Wales, they were cracking. And and as my co-host, who is a QZ, is an Australian fan, is the best way he described it, when when they played Australia, they suffocated them, out onto the ball, ran at you hard, you you couldn't stop them. Then we look at their last two performances, Georgia, and then again, the, the, the loss against Portugal, which I think is probably just about the shock of the tournament now. Um, you'd go, that's the Fiji that I used to watch and used to remember, like, have flair, they'll have moments, but they will just couldn't keep hold of the ball and stuff like that. So I'm big on the point, and I said this uh, um, to Husey, I go, 
whatever Fiji turns up to this quarterfinal is is the Fiji that could go all the way or is it the Fiji that's going to get knocked out? So, look, definitely great story. If they can continue this run and, and, and go further into this tournament, I think there'll be a lot of people talking about Fiji. You mentioned Portugal there. How wonderful have they been? Oh, incredible. And again, you've got to sit there and think, like, Georgia we're talking about is a team that should be just about in the Six Nations battling with Italy. Both of those two teams now, Georgia and Italy, did worse than what I would believe Portugal did with a draw and a win. Uh, you just go, that is, it's just, that's what you want at Rugby World Cup. So, you know, this is this is why the idea might be to expand the Rugby World Cup to 24 teams and everything like that is such a good idea in my belief because you get these teams that have Cinderella stories. Yes, they're not going to go through these pool stages. Yes, rugby's not at that stage yet, but just those wins, just, uh, just it's, a, it's a, a headline if you ever have one. Let's talk about Wales now, topping Pool C. I think coming into the tournament, I certainly had very, very low expectations for them. I think they've been really poor in the last year, year and a half. But maybe, and this could be a case of them benefiting from being on the other side of the draw, they've probably been the best team on that side of the draw. Is Warren Gatland up to something, do you think? Whatever he's done since that loss that they had to South Africa by like 50-odd points, I don't know what he's done, but he's got it right. And defensively, by far and away the best team in this tournament at the moment. Like I know they'd made over like double the amount of tackles as just about every other team averaged. So like, how are their bodies going to hold up? We don't know. But what he's doing to win games and get them in the right positions, it's, yeah. Look, in all in, I sit there and I go, Wales haven't put on a performance other than the Australia game where I'm like, they can win this Rugby World Cup, but they've done enough to go, well, they could beat Argentina. And then if they get into a semi against, a, uh, I think it's a, the, the New Zealanders or the Irish, I think that's how the, the, the draw works. If they've played one of those two teams, they have a couple injuries, have just played one of the biggest games. Gatlin's got them going on the right way and they could easily win three games from here and go lifting a World Cup, which you'd never expect at the start of this tournament. It's actually quite a scary prospect, but let's move on then. If Wales are perhaps the most impressive team on that side of the draw, I would say the most disappointing team has been Argentina. What do you think has been the problem there? Yeah, it's it's a confusing one, Um, especially with Checker in charge. You sit there and you go, he normally gets World Cups right, the Argentinian coach. And I go, he hasn't quite nailed on this one. And I don't know what they've done. Look, they've got through and that's, all you need to do at a Rugby World Cup is get through. But I look at that first game against England and I go, you're playing against 14 men for 77 minutes and you just didn't even put up a fight. So, look, yeah, they've got a long way to go, I think, if they want to win these three games. And I'll be impressed, like, this is the crazy thing, I'll be impressed if they get past Wales now. And I wouldn't have been saying that at the, the start of the World Cup. I'd have been expecting Argentina to top this pool and have no problem with who was going to come second in pool C. So, yeah, disappointing, I would say, at, to, to, at the least at the moment for Argentina. I also thought they were going to top Pool D, but in the end it was England who have also been a little bit better than what we thought they were going to be. Quite a good tournament for them so far then, eh? Yeah, I mean, up until last game, which was as funny now being in England and uh, getting to sit around some English and watching them just about lose to Samoa was something special. But I will say England, I think, have a blueprint on how to win this World Cup, and it's that first game with George Ford drop goals ticking over the scoreboard. I don't think Owen Farrell actually has a spot on this team, and it's it's one of the craziest things to be saying because he's a world-class player. But I think if you take that blueprint that you had from against Argentina and you put that against any other team, they can win the Rugby World Cup that way. I don't think Borthwick is going to make a change now and he's going to he's going to end up playing Farrell, and I think it'll end up being their demise. But 
if I was there, I'd be going forward and just saying Tuolangi outside him and, and go from there. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? You can click on my Patreon link, I'll put it on the screen as well as in the description box. And there will be great benefits for members. Let's get back to the interview. Let's talk a little bit about the Tier 2 nations at this tournament. We've sort of waxed lyrical about Fiji and Portugal, and they've been wonderful. I thought Chile were actually quite exciting as well. Maybe didn't quite get the results, but they were fun to watch. And then you look at Namibia and Romania and the way that they've struggled, and that has brought up that age-old topic about how many teams should be at the tournament and should the, the, the sort of minnows be at the World Cup. I think it's great having them. Uh, I am actually in favor of expanding the tournament to 24 teams, but at the same time, I do think that the Tier 2 nations need more support. They uh, lack resources, funding, etc., etc. We've spoken about those things ad nauseum, I think. But I think it's fair to say, from a media point of view and from a fan's point of view, we want to see more of Portugal, we want to see more of Chile, more of Fiji, etc., etc. Not just at the World Cup, but in between. World Rugby have sort of said something along those lines, but it seems like lip service more than anything else. What's your opinion? Yeah, totally. I I, I know there's that second division of European rugby that play, and I know like Georgia normally take it out. I think it's called the Rug- European Rugby Championship, something like that. And Portugal are up there, I know, because I played a year in rugby in the Netherlands, so I know Netherlands support it, get right behind it. I would love for them to make that a second division, six nations, with an opportunity of promotion relegation and stuff like that. I would love to see that open up the competition. I also think the same with Southern Hemisphere and the Rugby Championship should go to six teams. Japan and um, Fiji have shown they've got enough to be competitive in those games. And again, the more we can get those tier twos, into into games with tier ones as the chances are we're going to end up with more tier one teams which is which which is the ideal goal in the end you want to be going into world cup ideally like at the moment with 20 teams with 24 teams and 24 teams have a shot at going through to the quarters and 24 teams have a shot at winning it all yes this is that's probably a 10 20 30 year plan but um that's the ideal you want at every Rugby World Cup is every team's got an opportunity to win the Rugby World Cup. And we're not there yet. And I think, like you said, it's going to take um, some planning and some some proper work from uh, World Rugby there. Um, but I'm probably not the smartest man to be making those decisions either. I think I might be in the same category as you, but it's fun to speculate. Um, let's be honest. If we look at this World Cup, I mean, we've probably touched on all of them. Four or five games have been really, really exciting. Uh, I would say that you had uh, Fiji involved in the two biggest upsets of the tournament, arguably the only two upsets, and it's nobody's fault, but upsets do make a tournament more exciting, and we've only had two of them in uh, five weeks of pool stage play, and that makes things a little bit more predictable. Some might say a little bit more boring. How would you rate the pool stages of the 2023 Rugby World Cup? Yeah, it's tough, and it's and it goes back um, to the draw. I think the draw played a huge part with what we ended up with. Obviously, for those that don't know, draw was done three years in advance, um, so the rankings at the time were very different. This is why we ended up with a pool of Wales and Australia who were, I think, ranked eighth and, and seventh at the uh, start of the World Cup. So, look, that's going to cause issues, so get that right straight away. And then I would say from that, it's actually sparked up because we've had such a hard pull in Pool B and even – Pool A there that we know now the quarters are set up the way they are. Two of the top four teams are out. I would say the pool stages actually rate quite highly for me. I think 
I would actually go back and look, looking at 2019 and even 2015, I would go, these have been the best pool games. Some of the best pool games we've witnessed. I think the Ireland South Africa one takes the cake where you go, that are two of the best teams in the world playing on a pool stage game. It's just, when you get stuff like that, that's fantastic to see. As much as we love the upsets, good rugby's been good. And you've you've had opportunities for upsets. You've had Georgia just about pipping Fiji. You had Samoa and England in this, this last week. I mean, yeah, there's a couple of teams who I think didn't show up. Scotland and Italy, to me, both, I look at them and go, huge disappointments at the World Cup because even though Scotland were competitive, they were never in any of those games. And you just go, that is so disappointing to see. So, look, um, I would I'd give it, a, if I was going to grade it, I'd give it a B plus. Like, it's it's been really, really good. It's not top shelf. If you had a couple more, if you had some, oh, get up over England, you had a couple of those other ones, then, yeah, could get into those A's. But I, 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 it's been more than solid is how I'd give it. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. But something that has divided opinion, and you'll know this quite well, Luke, is the uh, tackle height law and the implementation thereof. Officiating just seems to be the number one thing that we speak about at the end of every rugby match these days. And it is frustrating and it is annoying because obviously we'd rather be talking about the play. But let's ignore all the other stuff. Let's just talk about the tackle height. I think that what has caused so much confusion is that we've seen similar tackles and they've been punished by a yellow card, then later upgraded to a red. Others have been punished just by a yellow and others have gone completely unpunished. What have you made of all of this? Yeah, it's it's the biggest thing I think we ask for at the moment from World Rugby is consistency. Like we just don't have consistency. And I will give them credit. The, the way I see it is we're about a year, two years into this tackle height where we've really started to focus on it. So it's a very young thing. Like I don't think in eight years in the, at the Rugby World Cup in, in the US, even in four years in Australia, I don't think we're going to have as many, oh, this is a yellow and this is a red. It's because we're at such an early stage of adoption with tackle height, which I think it's understandable. Like that, the, the lawsuit that got brought upon World Rugby had to make these changes. They're doing everything in their power. It's just consistency at the moment. And I, I think it'll grow. I think it'll get a lot better from here. It's just, it's unfortunate. This is one of those pain points we have to get through. Um, and I actually think the officiating crews are doing a really good job of it. I love seeing the TMO, seeing the communication all come in. I think they're doing it really well. It's just going to be like, like you've said, one's a red card, one's not even a penalty. How is that working? How are we going to stamp that out? It'll come. I just think, yeah, at the moment it's going to, I, I hope and I pray it doesn't affect a World Cup final or a semi-final and actually someone's out because of it. But I'd be dumb not to also understand that that could easily happen. Especially when you have a match between two closely matched sides, as for example, the quarterfinal between the host nation and the defending champions. That is going to be one incredible clash. I must be honest, from a Springboks point of view, I'm very, very uncomfortable because I don't think you ever want to play the host nation in a World Cup knockout match. Nevertheless, how do you see it going? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would be probably the same. Um, glad that we got the pool stage game out of the way um, against them. Look, if I was South African, I'd be quietly confident. I think going into this game, I think you've got the better team. You've got a uh, masked up Antoine Dupont, um, who's going to be looking like a superhero, but I'm unsure if he'll be able to play like it. So look, I would be going in confident, just purely knowing what France has got and what South Africa have got. I think the pack that you've got is just too big and strong for them, to be honest. Um, I would, I, if I'm here and I'm sitting here as, as Razzie, um, I would be going 
seven one split again and just going we're going to dominate you on to this park and i would show them what 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 that south african strength is so yeah i i I'm more comfortable, and I've always said this, I think the only team that can knock Springboks out of a Rugby World Cup are the All Blacks. And as we saw in 2019, if you guys don't have to face us in the quarters, I think you'll get through. So I'm I'm heavily confident in South Africa's favour, which might be a bit, I guess, over-the-top reaction to what the, the French beat us All Blacks and, and did it quite comfortably. You guys lost to the Irish, but I just think that South African pack is so hard to go against. I love what you're saying right now. You can keep talking if you like. <laughs> uh, Luke, uh, the other quarterfinal, Ireland and the All Blacks. That's going to be a titanic tussle. Very spicy. What's your prediction? Yeah, it's tough. Look, I, I've always felt confident in the All Blacks. And I think after the last two weeks, I'm even more confident that we can get the job done. Ireland, once again, haven't made it past the quarterfinal ever. So the pressure is on them. And it's I, I feel like they are the All Blacks at the moment. Like they're on a, what, 16-game win streak. You know, they're going in there. Everyone thinks that they're going to do it. They're the number one team in the world. This is the pressure that the All Blacks get. And it just takes me back to 2007, playing against France. You know, you go one 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 error by a referee and your World Cup's ended. You don't play well enough. And I think that'll be the Irish thing going in here is, We've dominated for a year, year and a half. Of, to all of this, to lose at the quarters again to the All Blacks, I think they will be, um, yeah, nervous as as anything going into this game against the All Blacks. They have every right to be confident. Showed it against us at, at the series last year. But as an All Blacks fan, I am am so confident in the team that we select that will get the job done. Do you really know your rugby? Do you always get your predictions right? Why not make some money then? Open an account right now with Tic Tac Bets and get up to 2,000 Rand and 20 spins with your first deposit. The link is appearing on your screen and I'll also put it in the description area. Please note that this is an affiliate link and I will make a little commission on it. Winners know when to stop. National Responsible Gambling Program. Toll-free helpline 0800-006-008. No persons under the age of 18 years are permitted to gamble. About six weeks ago, England and Fiji played each other at Twickenham and we all know what happened there. Uh, could history repeat itself in the quarterfinal? Yeah, look, what Fiji turns up will we'll, we'll decide that. If it's the one that played Portugal, I see England doing exactly what they did against Argentina, ticking over the scoreboard and just saying, we will pressure you out of this game. And if Fiji make the errors that Fiji do, then they won't stand a chance. And that's that's disappointing. But saying that, if the Fiji from those first two games turn up, it's anyone's game and, and we could definitely see a repeat. And how good would a Fijian semi-final be in France? I tell you that. I would love to see it. Uh, something else uh, that I cannot quite fathom uh, in terms of a prediction, Wales-Argentina. I would have told you before the tournament that if they were playing each other in a quarterfinal, the Pumas win, no doubt about it. Given what we've seen in the pool stage, I cannot tell you what's going to happen there. What do you think? Yeah, uh, it's a, cost of a, a toss of a coin really, isn't it? Um, I think the Welsh defence is just is, has impressed me so heavily this past, you know, these pool games that... I can't see – I see Argentina giving up some points and I see the Welsh defence managing to hold Argentina. Um, and we saw against Argentina against Japan, like there's points to score against Argentina. It's If you can hold them in check, then you'll win the game. And I think Wales can do that. Like that's what they've shown me. Um, but again, I could – I'm more – I'm one of those guys that that I could easily be proven wrong by that. And I'm more than happy to sit back um, and see another Southern Hemisphere team make it into the semifinals um, is always good for, for our side of rugby, I guess. Go on, Luke. Give me semifinals and a final prediction. 
<laughs> All right. Well, semi-finals. I think uh, New Zealand Wales will be one semi-final. I think South Africa England the other semi-final. Um, hopefully, New Zealand go through that game. Um, so I have them in a final. Then the other one, the only way I see the South Africans getting beaten is if what happens in that game against France, if there's a couple injuries, if they're, you know, that's going to be a big game for anyone. If they come through that unscathed, I'm going South Africa, so in South Africa, New Zealand. And I'm not saying this just because I'm on your podcast either and you're a South African supporter, but I, I just, I think there's only one team that can knock out the Springboks and it's the All Blacks. And I think the least confident I am going to be is in a final so I would have loved to have played you guys in the quarters and the semis. I think we've got your number there. But we all know the Springboks in our final take it up another level. So, look, I'm, I'm back in New Zealand all the way, but that is the game. I think they're going to be the game of the tournament. I think that's how it plays out. I like what you're saying, Luca. Springboks All Blacks final, that's the dream final in rugby, isn't it? That's what we all want to see. Uh, and you know what? I don't think World Rugby would ever do it, but I'd love to see the draw set up in such a way that if everything works out, we always get a Springboks All Blacks final. <laughs> I would love that too. <laughs> Luke Bowden, it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby today. Thank you very much for your time. A fascinating conversation, and I hope that we can have you on again in the future. Totally, and we'll, we'll we'll extend the favour and try and get you on with uh, Husey the Aussie so we can have a bit of a uh, old Tri-Nations uh, collab going on. Sounds good to me. I'm up for that. Excellent. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for watching. This video is part of a series of Rugby World Cup content I've put together. There's a playlist for you to go and binge watch. It's on your screen right now. See you next time.